0: What's happening, everybody? Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Bucko Cast. More specifically, this week's edition of the Table Center for April twenty second. I'm your host, Josh Taylor, on another Monday, getting you ready for the week to come in Pirates baseball. A lot to talk about as the Pirates get ready to face the Diamondbacks for a four game series starting on Monday at PNC Park. So we will talk a little bit about this upcoming series, plus we will talk about the week that was in Pirates baseball. A lot to get to in that regard. As far as the matchup with the Diamondbacks, like we mentioned, four games to discuss. Now, the pitching matchups have already been outlined for this series. want to break those down briefly. We will go into the key matchup in this series, but the matchup's on tap. Uh, on Monday, it is Zach Godley against Joe Musgrove. On Tuesday, Luke Weaver against Trevor Williams. Wednesday, it will be Jordan Lyles in that game for the Pirates going up against, <clears throat> excuse me, for the Diamondbacks' Merrill Kelly. And then on Thursday, the key matchup I want to talk about, Jamison Tyone against Zach Greinke. We understand Zach Granke's resume. It has been pretty much we, what we've known to expect over the years. And he's one of the better pitchers in the National League. And he's got an extensive resume. Remember, of course, his career when he started with Kansas City. And since then, he's kind of jumped to different places, was in Milwaukee briefly. So we know what Zach Granke brings to the table. That said, he's still a pretty, pretty good pitcher. So he's a guy that we're going to talk about here for just a few moments. When you look at this particular matchup, here's why I like it for the Pirates. And we'll talk about why I kind of hate it for the Pirates. But with all that said, Jamison Tyone versus the current Arizona Diamondbacks lineup in some of the reserves on the bench. The hitters for Arizona have faced him a grand total of 37 times. They are 6 for 35. That's a 171 batting average with only one home run, which belongs to, of all people, David Peralta, who might be the most dangerous hitter for Arizona in this series. Also a walk in 5 k So Jamison Tyone, really good history so far against the hitters for Arizona in a short sample size. At the same time, Zach Granke has been just as good. A dangerous pitcher as well. Both of these pitchers forcing the opposing lineups to an average below 200 and not really a lot of offense to be seen there. Here's where the hitting matchup comes in, because the one guy for the Pirates who's seen Zach Granke extensively, he's the guy that probably has the best shot of doing anything against Granke, but here's the trick. It's Melky Cabrera in uh, 20 at-bats against Granke. He's 5 for 20. He's also earned a walk, a double, a triple, and four strikeouts. But here's the thing. Against Arizona pitchers as a whole, Cabrera is hitting .278, but not a lot more on top of that. Not a lot of extra base hits, not a lot of times on base. .297 on base percentage, .361 slugging percentage, but the majority of those plate appearances are against the Granke. Once again, 5 for 20 with a double, a triple, a walk, and four strikeouts. Not great success, but not necessarily bad success, just something that you would hope for more Out of this lineup against Greinke and that's just not the case. This is going to be the matchup that makes all the difference. I always talk about when you're looking at a three game series especially. There's probably one game you're going to win. One game you're going to lose. And one game that could go either way. If I'm looking at this series this is the game that could go either way. Tyone against Greinke. Because both of these guys have really great histories against the other team's batters. And this should be a battle. If I'm betting anything on this game. Uh, bet the under, because I imagine both of these pitchers are going to have a pretty easy time getting outs in this one. Now, the guy the Pirates will miss in this series, especially in that particular game on Thursday, will be Gregory Polanco. He's the only hitter on the Pirates roster who has a single home run against Granke, and he does indeed have one, but we know Gregory Polanco uh, rehabbing down in Indianapolis. And by the way, There needs to be some help on the way in the form of the outfield because now that you look at it with the loss of Starling Marte on the 10-day IL uh, with a bruised abdominal wall and a quad contusion, this is something that you never expect. This team battling for first place in the division without all three of their starting outfielders. We already knew you'd have no Gregory Polanco entering the season for at least the first four to six weeks because he's rehabbing from off-season surgery. Then you lose Corey Dickerson early in the year. Now you lose starting Marte before the other two have even returned. So your outfield's going to look like Brian Reynolds, JB Shuck, Melky Cabrera, thankfully, who was technically the second contingency plan behind Lonnie Chisholm in the hole. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's hurt too. So now you have an outfield with Brian Reynolds, Melky Cabrera, JB Shuck. These are going to be the guys that you're going to have to rely upon in the coming days as my dog is. Not too thrilled about that particular lineup either. I guess she had to voice her concerns. But it is something that you look at and wonder how quickly, just how quickly, can Gregory Polanco and Corey Dickerson find themselves back in this lineup because it is something that you don't want to have for a long period of time. With all that said, this lineup is going to have to try to gut it out the best way they can. Calling up Brian Reynolds and Cole Tucker for that matter with Eric Gonzalez being on the 60-day with a broken clavicle Um, that's another thing that you look at and say, just how long can this goodwill last or just how long could this success be palpable for this lineup? But at the same time, you need bodies. You take the bodies that you have, you plug them in and you make it work. As far as line of the week from the past week, Josh Bell is the guy that I continue to bring up every week because he continues to perform every week. We talked about this season. How good could could Josh Bell be? Was he going to be the guy from his rookie season Or was he going to be the guy from his second season he's looking more like the guy from his rookie season if not better it's kind of scary right now what he's done in this first month of the season he's been really really good and it seems like every week my line of the week for hitters comes from josh bell and if it seems that way it's because that's been the exact case a couple times i've sprinkled in Melky cabrera to go along with it but josh bell has been the guy for the past few weeks for this pirates team and from every aspect of it he's hitting for average he's hitting for power He's driving in runs even when he's not getting on base, and that is a very key thing for your cleanup hitter to do. It seems like I keep saying this all over again, but as long as he keeps doing it, it's something that's worth mentioning. But Josh Bell last week uh, for the week of April 15th, 6 for 18, a three thirty-three batting average uh, with a double, a home run. He knocked in five more runs with four uh, walks and four strikeouts. So an even walk-to-strikeout ratio, which is another thing I think is important because that's a 474 on base percentage for Bell to go with that 333 batting average, 611 slugging percentage. That's a 1085 OPS. He actually improved upon his OPS from two weeks ago when he actually had a 1036 OPS. We hit hit 318, uh, got on base at a 400 clip and slugged 636. So he's actually improved upon his OPS and batting average numbers from the previous week. He was seven for 22 with a couple doubles, a triple, a home run. And knocked in four. But Josh Bell, our hitter's line of the week. As far as the pitching goes, it continues to be something that we talk about here. And this Pirates staff, this rotation in in particular, continues to be the best in baseball. I knew going into the season, you knew what to expect from Jamison Tyone. You knew what to expect from Trevor Williams. You maybe knew what to expect from Chris Archer, at least on the high end of it all. You didn't know how much of it would be on the lower end, but you knew what to expect on the high end. From Chris Archer, but Joe Musgrove being healthy and competing every chance he can go out get out there to start and being that kind of competitor that has been fun to watch. Jordan Lyles going out and doing what he's doing every time he gets a start that's been fun to watch. And Jordan Lyles for the second week in a row is one of the guys involved in our our pitchers' line of the week. Last week it was Lyles and Musgrove. This week is Lyles all by himself. Six innings, gave up four hits uh, in a scoreless outing with six strikeouts on Friday against the San Francisco Giants, that's his second one of the season, 0.53 ERA. Of the five guys in this pitching staff, if if you told me after the first few weeks of the season, the two guys in the bottom half of the ERA column would be Jordan Lyles and Joe Musgrove, as far as having ERAs less than one, a few starts into the season, I'd look at you like you were insane and wonder what was wrong with the other three guys. But the thing is, There's nothing really wrong with the other three guys. Chris Archer pretty much is what he is at this point. Jamison Tyone still gets a little bit of heart luck here and there, but he's been a pretty at least serviceable starter and at least above average in in terms of what you expect from him and how he's able to get through games, even if he's not having his best day. And Trevor Williams continues to pitch like the guy who has been the best pitcher in baseball, probably dating back to the latter part of last season. And I'll keep bringing this up. Since around this time a couple years ago, Trevor Williams has been really, really, really good. And we kind of ignore it because that first start, his first career start against the Dodgers, yes, he had a terrible time. But in fairness, the Pirates against the Dodgers over the years have been awful. They have not had good results in L.A. Oh, yeah, by the way, guess where they're going after they're done with Arizona? They're going out to L.A. So we'll have fun with that one when the time comes. But for... For all intents and purposes, this pitching staff has done everything we've expected them to do and then some. And Jordan Lyles was the guy coming in where you asked, okay, we know about the four guys in front of him, but what about Jordan Lyles? How good could he be? The first guy who, who expressed any kind of optimism about Jordan Lyles was Jason Rawlinson himself. He was really, really impressed with Lyles' curveball. It's something that he's picked up along the way within the past couple of years and it's actually been a pretty good thing and a big part of his arsenal. I've joked about (laughs) on Twitter about uh, Jordan Lyles' curveball, and I put a Pedro Serrano quote from Major League saying, straight ball I hit very much, but curveball, bats are afraid. The bats have been afraid of Jordan Lyles' curveball because it's been really good, and it's turned into a lot of early success for him. So Pitcher's Line of the Week belongs to Jordan Lyles. The moment that stood out from last week, this one is a no brainer it's a moment that's not only going to stand out from last week this is a moment that's going to stand out from this season this is a moment that's going to stand out for one young man's career in particular because it's one of the first big moments of his career Cole Tucker his MLB debut on Saturday goes one for three two run home run that was the difference in the game by the way ended up being a three to one win over the Giants in a rain shortened game that they called after five innings because of rain but Cole Tucker one for three that two-run home run, his parents there to watch uh, with, the, uh, with the people in the stands, and the circumstances surrounding it were so crazy. If you, if you go back to Friday, there was the Eric Gonzalez and Starling Marte collision in the outfield. So Marte out of the lineup Saturday, Gonzalez out of the lineup Saturday, both men placed on the DL. Pirates have to call up Brian Reynolds and Cole Tucker in the middle of the night. Um, I thought Cole Tucker's mom... Uh, told the story well. I think she found out at eleven o'clock. I think it was uh, Central Time in Indianapolis. They're actually out at dinner after a game because she was there in, in, in Indianapolis visiting him. They go out to dinner. He gets a phone call, has to go back to the clubhouse, runs into Brian Reynolds, who's also uh, excuse me, runs into um, runs into Brian Reynolds, who's also cleaning out his locker and says, "Wait a minute, you're here too." It's actually to be in a pretty fun story seeing those two guys at the same time when they both realize they're getting called up together. But it, it's fun to see that kind of story. Those are always great things to hear about when you hear about uh, players that get called up and how they get those calls. And at first, um, when you hear about those stories and when that player gets that call, of course, they always think it's a joke. Like, okay, stop playing. You're kidding me. And Cole, and Cole Tucker was no different. But long story short, they get to call. Um, his mom and dad get to Pittsburgh. His mom jumps in the car with his brother. They drive to Pittsburgh. Or I believe it was her brother. They drive to Pittsburgh. Uh, Tucker's dad gets on a plane from Arizona. He gets there less than an hour before the game. Um, Tucker himself flies out of Indianapolis to get to Pittsburgh and at least try to get some rest. He gets there early in the morning. And, and this is a, an incredible story of him getting to the ballpark, but then to be in that position, starting the game, and making that kind of impact with that kind of two-run home run that those are stories that you just can't make up. You can't write a good enough script for them. And those are stories that you definitely don't forget. One thing I think is interesting, and this is this is really from more of a of an emotional standpoint and a personal standpoint. I see people in Pittsburgh have really taken to him already. And I don't think people are ready to anoint Cole Tucker as the next great player in Pittsburgh. I don't think that's the case. I think they just like him. And there's nothing wrong with just liking a guy. It, it, I like Cole Tucker too. I, I love the energy. I love the enthusiasm. I love the humility of Cole Tucker. But I also like the fact that he's honest. He, he, he does not in a way that suggests, you know what? I want to make the best of the opportunity. But at the same time, guess what? I belong here. I believe I belong here. And I want to prove I belong here. I like that about him. I like that kind of confidence. You don't get to this level in any professional sport if you can't believe that you yourself, so you yourself are capable of doing it. You have to have some level of confidence. You might even have to have some level of arrogance to be able to perform against other athletes in physical competition and say, you know what, I'm better than you are and I'm gonna prove it. I like that about Cole Tucker, but he does it and packages it in a way that says, you know what, I'm gonna go here and prove I can do it. I believe that I belong here. But at the same time, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I love that about him. I also love the fact that he came in immediately and his teammates just embraced him from the entire the, the entire scope of it. From the very beginning. Uh, I love the photo that was on online that was taken. I was believe I believe it was by Matt Freed of the Post Gazette. Shout out to Matt. But great photo of Cole Tucker rounding third base. And you see Chad Cool and Trevor Williams in the dugout, both looking up at him and smiling, and it looks like uh, Trevor Williams' eyes kind of glazed over. Maybe a big emotional moment for those guys in the clubhouse. But you saw the rest of the team totally embrace him. Jameson Tyone uh, the day after tweets out, how about that debut by Cole Tucker? And he said he's dreamed of the day that they can both share the same infield. You you see his teammates really rallying around him right away. We've heard so many stories about rookies being called up and teammates like, all right, dude, you know, keep your mouth shut and just do what you're told to do and you know, maybe you'll survive this. That's not the case. This kid comes up. They want him to uh, contribute immediately. He does. And you can tell from the beginning, he felt like he was at home with that group. I know one thing that was kind of a a big focal point during spring training, we saw Cole Tucker playing in a bunch of games with some of the everyday uh, guys on this roster. And that was something that was talked about. And the question was, you know, is this something that they're just preparing him for the time? Or was it just something to get his feet wet and just see how he feels with it? Either way, it turns out to be a good idea in hindsight because you know we see some really bad things happen. He gets called up, and he has to be forced into the position to be ready to play in a pinch. And he shows up in a pinch, ready to play, and contributes to a win. You can't ask for anything more in that kind of circumstance. So Cole Tucker, the moment that stood out from last week. To wrap all this up with a bow as far as the week ahead, Facing Arizona in those four games, this is one of those series that you hate to look at it in terms of what they should do or what you expect them to do, but the truth of the matter is the matchups favor the Pirates as far as the first three games in this series. The way these guys have been pitching, I think the matchups favor them. The way that Arizona as a whole hasn't necessarily hit that well, especially against guys like Jamison Tyone, I think that favors the Pirates. At the same time, they're going to be up against a guy like Zach Greinke. I would be stunned if they don't win at least two games in this series. I expect them to win at least three. Um, It could very well happen where they win two of the first three and maybe Jamison Tyone wins the last one and maybe they let one in the middle slip away. That could totally happen. I could see that happening with this team just because the lack of offense continues to plague this team. It was the question from the beginning of the season. Where are the runs going to come from? So if that's the case, and it does not shock me that much at all. But I do expect the Pirates to win. At least two games in the series. Being a little bit more optimistic, I expect them to win three out of four. But at least two is probably where I am with this one. If they got a sweep, I'd be pretty stunned, honestly. I don't know know if I expect them to win four out of the series. Like I mentioned, just the lack of offense in general just tends to rear its head every once in a while. But three out of four wins in this series is definitely something worth expecting. That is it for me. We'll see you back here next week for another edition of The Table Setter. I'm Josh Taylor. Enjoy the week, everybody.